0: Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Who would you be then as a leader if your people didn't need you to swoop in, save the day, hold their hand? support their basic sanity, support them to follow through and do what they say they're going to do, what would it be like to actually have people who were deeply personally invested in becoming greater people? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from Clear and Open. Life has a way of putting us right up against the change we require— but it doesn't make us any less resistant to adopting those changes. You have a choice. Resist or learn. In order to become who you want to be, or who you seem to have to be, you have to look hard and realize who you are not. When we see the stories of great leaders, it feels as if they knew what they were doing all along. Why else would they take on such crazy risks in the face of seemingly impossible odds, right? But ask anyone in the midst of their soul's journey if they felt that way and it'd likely be a very different story. This series is excerpted from my online course entitled Essential Leadership Processes, which you can find at courses.clearandopen.com. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click a link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show.
1: So I think I followed the directions pretty close. Um, But what I did is when I started the brainstorm. I decided to be really um, in the content, really tactically what's going to happen. I did every business unit and then I rolled it up to what would be my business. And and I didn't freak out like Ed, um, but I, I really had to sit there and think hard about whether I wanted this or not. Um, Doing the content by each business unit, I found very easy, just flows, great ideas. I could see it for the next three years. But then when I said, okay, well, then what will that look like? And just, you know, did the math on the KPIs and revenue and people. I went, oh. So um, what came up for me was as much as COVID has sucked for our business, it's been much smaller. And the control, I've been had much more control, which is my shadow. Um, and then if I continue down this path of this vision, um, what is left of our business that I'm right now will actually be much bigger than it was pre-COVID. And then I lose my control. So, um, which is, okay, how do I do it, right? Then I... So I started struggling with myself and do I want it? How do I want it? How do I do it? Can I control it? Do I want to let someone else control it? And I just, so that's where I'm sitting right now. And it's still all in bullets. I haven't been able to write it in sentences because I got myself caught up in, do I really want it?
0: Yeah, that's wonderful, Catherine. Thanks for sharing that. That's a really, it's a great theme that you bring here because it's extremely common as control is. Because lots of people dream of having a quote big business, whatever that is, bigger than it is now. But as soon as you have, I don't know what, more than 20, 25 employees, depending on the industry, you start losing control, don't you? And you have to be able to manage managers who manage managers who manage managers who manage managers who manage manage the people on the bottom rung or whatever that looks like. However, many layers you have in that organization means you've got to empower people more and operate with a lot less micro-control. It means that you're managing the business through who you are a whole lot more than what you do. And little, seemingly, mistakes like who you hire and how you manage and long-term strategies Become the steering wheel that you have to control rather than being able to jump in in any situation and make things right. And so lots of people want to have a bigger business, but where I see most small businesses, most small businesses hover, they grow to a certain point, and then they hover around a revenue number that is be- right in between where they can jump in into any situation and make things right like a Superman or woman, and being so big that they can't do that. And they go right in between. So they stay in an overwhelm zone, which is sort of like the impact zone in the ocean where the wave crashes onto you. They stay right in between where they have a feeling of control and the business, if it's good, will grow. If the conditions are right, the business will grow. But then the owner keeps it from growing so that it doesn't get bigger than what they can control while they complain about business not being as good as it could be. They're making unconscious decisions, for example, hiring incompetent people who can't follow through and keep their word so that they're always needed to jump in and have the control that they say they, don't, they want to get rid of and don't need, but their actions show otherwise, you see? So from a spiritual perspective, I would say growing the business would be really useful for you to work that out. From a business perspective, you know, you have to crunch the numbers and all that and what kind of lifestyle do you want to live and how much revenue does that require and all that. But this is, again, um, a business puts someone, when you're an owner, it puts you in a process too. I mean, anybody's in a process. You just have a job on the bottom rung. But the higher up you are on the org chart, the more that business has you in a process as well. Because remember, life is looking to teach you all the time. So if you think you can have like your 40 or 50 hours in your job or your business and have that be, you know, just how I make money so I can do what I want in the other half, life doesn't look at it that way. Life sees, oh, this person's spending half of their waking hours doing this. Well, that's the best place to teach them stuff, isn't it? Right? It doesn't care about how much money you make you know, whether your profit is up five or 10% from last year or whether your revenue is up five or 10%, it doesn't care. It cares about you learning. So you want to be able to find in excruciating detail exactly what is life trying to teach me through my work. Otherwise you play victim. It's one or the other. You have to play victim. And then you, you know, you become, uh, I'm working for the man or, Business is hard, and the government doesn't support small business, and and all of that. And it's not that that isn't true; it's just not empowering, and it's not productive. So, exactly what is it teaching you? And what I think what you're seeing about control is exactly right. And what if you were to completely em- embrace the business, your business, as a uh, letting go of control and becoming a better manager lesson? And this is why, and I see very often people will get right up to this point and they'll see where they have to become a better leader, a better manager, and they really get up against the wall. And then they start thinking, what if I just hired a CEO? I was talking with a client just yesterday about this. What if I just hired a CEO? What if I just hired a general manager? I see now what the business requires me to do. And I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know how long it's going to take. What if I just have someone else do that? Well, what have you just told? Life. I mean, that's like being in the math classroom, and the teacher calls on you, and you don't know the answer, and you tap the person next to you on the shoulder. You can you tell me the answer? What's the teacher going to say to that? Well, that's the right answer, but you're not learning. So now I'm going to have to find another way to get you to learn this. It's a workaround, and uh, it's it's hard when you really see. How life paints us into a corner that way in our own good. I'm feeling that right now in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm uh, I don't know how much to say about it. Life will seek to paint you into a corner so that things get bad, so that you experience, so that you experience that you have no choice other than to grow. The truth is you do have a choice, you always have a choice, but your choice is basically resist or learn. And for the most part, we get to the surrender by experiencing the folly of our resistance. And that's okay. That's just how it is. So I don't see anyone exempt from that. It's like you you want to be able to look at your life as, in part, not yours, because if you see your life as entirely as yours, uh, then you won't be including your teacher, which is Life with a capital L, and what it has in store for you. That's the spiritual component of leadership, that it's not all up to you. So you think your vision is like your idea, but some of that vision is a carrot that is put there by the intelligence of life that says, Ooh, if I can convince this person to go for X, Y, and Z, it's going to run them right into A, B, and C issues. It knows exactly what it's doing. If you can see that, you're going to have a lot easier time with it. But like I keep saying, many of the business owners that I work with, they're in a a resistant relationship to life because they're still trying to get the outside stuff to happen without looking at what there is to learn then they're in opposition with life. They're not cooperating with the teacher. That's the teenage rebelliousness that we all understandably have. So well-framed, Catherine, well-framed. What if your business is supposed to grow as a function of your ability to increase accountability and at the same time let go of control, which seems like a paradox but is not? if you really see it right, and to hire people that are so competent, they don't need you. Who would you be then as a leader if your people didn't need you to swoop in, save the day, hold their hand, support their basic sanity, support them to follow through and do what they say they're going to do? What would it be like to actually have people who we're deeply personally invested in becoming greater people. And I mean, every single one of your employees. How would that challenge you? Those people are demanding as employees. They're high-performance people that require high performance management. They don't need caretaking, but they do need sophisticated challenges and sophisticated support. They need they don't work. For average managers, you see that's the challenge. So everybody, all employers want A players, but they seldom ask themselves have actually earned them by being one myself. And then, in order to do that, you have to become that. In order to become that, you have to look at how you're not. So the. Um, I love that you're struggling with, okay, I have the vision, which this is not uncommon. Okay, here it is. Oh man, do I actually want this? That's very, very honest. And do I want this from a place of like, am I willing to do what it takes? That's daunting. Uh, What does your soul tell you? Would be the question I would ask you to inquire into. What does your soul tell you about whether it's worth it?
1: But along those lines, like if you're if you're writing a vision that is supposed to get closer and closer to like the ultimate version of yourself and your soul that you're supposed to be, if that alignment is we're supposed to find our way to that alignment, then wouldn't you want that vision that you're creating? I mean, shouldn't those two things match up versus if you feel like, you know, do I even want this, or I don't want this? Then aren't you further from what your life ultimately, your life vision should be to, to marry with your soul?
0: Yeah, and if we were all soul and expression, there would be no conflict. There would be no questioning. But there is a kind of negotiation that is entirely reasonable, where you know your path. I, I wish I knew the Bible well enough to. Uh, I know the Bible well enough to know this kind of story is in there. Uh, Noah comes to mind, or a lot of the prophets, I think their stories are like this, where the destiny just becomes apparent, and then there's like, oh, crap, really? Like, I see what I need to do. Uh, the Jesus story had a lot of this in it. I, again, I don't know it well enough to to quote it, but, um, you know, I, actually, I do a little bit. Jesus' story is really cool because in, in the New Testament, there's, um and, and people tend to see the Jesus story as a story about him rather than about you. Because that's really what it's about. It's a hero's journey. See Joseph Campbell on the 12 steps of the hero's journey or whatever. And Jesus' story is really cool because there are moments where he is an embodiment of the divine, which we could call soul, divine in embodiment. Soul is the divine in individuated embodiment. And then there's other times where he's quite a doubtful human being, lonely. Will no one stay up with me? You know, ouch, I was betrayed. So you see him go back and forth between being the embodiment of the soulful divine and a fallible human being who is afraid, who is lonely, who is anxious. So that's what's so beautiful about that story is you you see the ongoing negotiation between the truth of the soul and the rest of us, the conditioned self, we could call it, that's like, oh man, I don't know about this. This is really hard. This is a big risk. You know, and you see this in any hero's journey. You think of Madame Curie and, you know, distilling, crushing down tons of ore in order to follow her intuition about uh, new elements that she experienced or, um, you know, anyone who's done enormous enterprise, Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates, Walt Disney, you know, these people, they're drawn to, I need to do this. Uh, what's his name? Um, the film night, the guy from um, the Nike guy. Yeah. A shoe dog, brilliant book about, and there's so much fear and doubt and uncertainty, but he had this like soul level drive of like, I need to make running shoes bring them into the world. I mean, where that came from, who knows, but he was clearly possessed. You know, doing things like jumping on a plane to Japan with like $300 in his account to make a final pitch to try to save the whole company. Things that seem completely unreasonable, but follow this kind of destiny. And then in retrospect, it looks like, well, of course he he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, ask someone who is in the midst of navigating their own soul's journey if they know exactly what they're doing. No, they're terrified. One part of them is terrified, but then the soul knows this is what I need to do. This is what has to happen. So the the negotiation between those two—that's a self-authentication process. That's what in uh, in mainstream Christianity. They might frame as a struggle between uh, a struggle between uh, you selling your soul to the devil or not, or being tempted or not, right? But there's no third party with horns and a tail that is doing that. Not that I've experienced. Have you? What I, what I experience is my own conditioning that says I'm not enough, or it's not worth the risk, or whatever. It's my own conditioning that's telling me that. That's the devil. view the full description of the episode and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.